The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents... Conspiracy with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. Right. It is what it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 20 of Conspiracy Pilled, your favorite Mostly Hinge Conspiracy Podcast. I'm your host, PJ Williams. With me, as always, is Abby Libby. How are you doing, Abby? I'm great. How are you? I am doing great, and I'm very excited to welcome on Vicki Joy Anderson, the author of They Only Come Out at Night. Vicki, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's we were having our a pleasure. fun conversation before the stream even started. Yes. And yeah. I was like, we've got to save it because there's so much good stuff here. <laughs> uh, but Vicki, you wrote a very interesting book about sleep paralysis. And this is a topic that we've touched on uh, a few times. It's something that I'm familiar with because uh, my wife has been experiencing it uh, since I've known her. Well, since she was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And we just have kind of put off doing an episode on this for a long time. And then I listened to an episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. For people who watched last week, we had Shane Jones on from from that show. And I just was geeked. I was listening to this show going, Oh my gosh. Like she's saying all the stuff that we talk about on this show. I feel like we'd agree on so many things. And literally I was driving uh, at work listening to this. I drive a semi truck for work and I'm like, I got to find somewhere to pull over and, and message Vicky and ask her to come on the show. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> so, oh man. So I pulled over into a rest area and I'm like, uh, Hey, this is probably weird, but I loved your episode. Please come on our show. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so I'm very excited to, to have you here. That, that's awesome. That's probably the first time in history I stopped traffic. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. Really, really quick before we get into the conversation about it, I want to give a, a shout out to our local subscribers. We have two new people that subscribe to our locals channel. We have Jowry and Windle. So thank you guys so much for coming over and supporting. If you guys want to get bonus unhinged content, you can go to conspiracypill.locals.com or download the locals app on your iPhone or Android or whatever. Uh, and we do another bonus show every Thursday night. So uh, thank you guys for that. I Okay. I got to, I got to bring up this book really quick. So this is, this is the book. They only come out at night. And I just for the people who are familiar with our show, I want to read this part on the back and just tell me if it sounds like the the description of, our, of an episode for Conspiracy Build. It says the riveting and groundbreaking, uh, groundbreaking page turner answers. What are the, and I might pronounce this wrong, what are the Asclepions, the ancient healing temples of serpents and astral encounters? Vampires and ancient threshold covenants, fact or fiction? Elijah's vision, heavily chariot or dimensional light vehicle. What is the adversary's endgame? 
Who are the sleep paralysis and these main targets? Are you one of them? And what is the way out of the astral matrix? I love that. That is so good. That's like a lot of good stuff. <laughs> it, this is a small disclaimer here. I, I wrote a lot of the copy on that back cover. I did not do the intro paragraph where I was calling my own work groundbreaking. So please, <laughs> I, it, that wasn't one of those Moses verses where Moses was the most humble man who ever lived, right? So just <laughs> uh, just know that was my extremely gracious editor who who threw that in. But but yes, um, yeah, and, and I love that. Um, you guys will get a kick out of this. Uh, I have been on certain forums where... Uh, when I give that to them as copy, I have to take the word matrix out because it's triggering and Christians don't like it. So thank you for letting me say matrix without triggering people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we allow the dreaded M word on this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, well, for, for all of the old school people out there, you will actually find the word matrix in your King James Version Bible because it is the antiquated word for the womb or a portal. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you talk about the womb? Okay. Yeah, again, you guys are getting spoiled tonight because we usually save the M word and the W word for our unhinged show. So. Oh, yeah, we avoid the touchy subjects on here. We only talk about things like adrenochrome and, and family. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. So. Nothing here to see. Oh, man. <laughs> so what got you i mean i know but what got you interested in the the sleep paralysis subject oh, and when did man. you start i i got sucked in and every time i tried to get out <laughs> they kept pulling me back whatever that line is but anyway uh unfortunately it was a baptism by fire i had sleep paralysis for probably uh, almost 30 years before I ever heard the phrase sleep paralysis. I I had no clue that this was a uh, communal experience or that anyone else had ever suffered it. And so I was just kind of silently going through this and I knew it was spiritual and I knew it was demonic. And, and yet it was just part of of life. And let, let me tell you something I've found in my research. And by my research, I don't mean, you know, tapping the keys and Googling things. I mean, the hundreds of case studies of people who've suffered this that I've talked to. One of the things that a lot of sleep paralysis sufferers, and by sleep paralysis sufferers, I'm talking about people who had this from infancy for decades, repeatedly. I'm not talking about someone who had it one time when they were a teenager or when they had, were going through a divorce or whatever. I'm talking about habitual, lifelong sufferers of sleep paralysis. Many of them, it starts very, very young. So there's no life experience or understanding or even an ability to really articulate to an adult what's going on. And the second thing that most of us have in common is there's some sort of childhood trauma. And I hate cycle like buzzwords, but the fact of the matter is, and Whenever people hear childhood trauma, they think of the, the obvious things like sexual abuse or satanic ritual abuse, like these big things. And yeah, obviously, but it could also be a divorce. It could be the death of a parent at a young age. It could be um, being given up for adoption. And in my case, and this is one of the, the bullet points, if you go onto the web and search childhood trauma, it's being exposed to multiple life-threatening surgeries and hospital visits before the age of three. And that was me. I was born into the world with a birth defect from 10 days old. That was my first surgery and had wow. them for a couple decades. So um, 
when you're born into that and every day of your life is trauma and you're a child and you don't know any different, if your whole life every day is dysfunction or abuse or death or surgeries or bullying, if that's your only experience, and this is where the enemy is so diabolical, you have a really high threshold for pain and tolerance of abuse. So uh, when you're a kid and you're getting hauled to the hospital every few days and you don't have a choice in it, you're not questioning it. You're not telling your parents, I don't want to do this. And they're like, okay, honey, because it's life-saving surgeries. And so you just live an existence where fear and things on the calendar that you're dreading or things that you know are going to happen are commonplace. And you become somewhat desensitized to it. And the bar for tolerating that kind of stuff gets set so high that things that would throw most people into a tailspin, you're not even questioning. In fact, it could be a good day for you. And so I, I find that this is one of the diabolical aspects of spiritual warfare in this area. Many of the people that I talk to, including myself, they get to a point in their 30s, 40s, and 50s where this happens on a near nightly basis, and they don't even pray before they go to bed anymore because it's like, well, it's going to happen. And it just like it's it's not like they don't have faith or that they've given up. It's just you have such a high tolerance for for this kind of harassment that you don't even consider it warfare anymore. And, and so it really is diabolical. They, they beat you down to a point where this becomes your new normal mm -hmm. and, and you don't even question it or fight it anymore. So um, I was probably <clears throat> wildly off the off topic of your original <laughs> no, questions. So. <laughs> it was okay. I, actually, I have a few more questions for you. Um, well, first of all, I feel like whenever we introduce a new subject or a new topic on this show that we haven't kind of done a deep dive on before i want to at least give a, a ground work for people who are not familiar so could you quickly just explain what sleep paralysis is and then um i also in that really quick maybe you could actually answer this first hicktown honey over on rumble asked is it common to start as an adult and i know that there was people in your book that did start having sleep paralysis as an adult yes yep it absolutely can start as an adult now this is not a, you know, a, a conclusive list of every reason, but the ones that I see the most common is after some sort of traumatic event or some sort of life changing event. So it can be someone will experience it after like the death of a spouse or the death of a child. Uh, they can experience it after a divorce. I have lost track of the emails that I've gotten that have started with. I never had sleep paralysis, but one night shortly after my divorce, it, it, that's a very mm. common one. And don't hear me saying that if you get divorced, you're going to get sleep paralysis. What I'm saying is it's a traumatic event and you're loaded with emotion, regret, bitterness, anger, shame, et cetera, et cetera. And these entities thrive on our negative energy. It's like pheromones to them. They love being in the presence of chaos. And I have also gotten a lot of emails from adults where they've never had sleep paralysis in their life until they become a Christian, because of course that one makes sense, right? Um, and then there's also the scenario where You've got the evangelical pew warming believer who sits there and does good their whole life and they tithe their money and they're good little boys and girls. But all of a sudden, then they have this awakening and they level up in their faith and they decide they're going to get really serious or I'm going to start fasting once a week or I'm going to uh, be a missionary or I'm going to go to seminary and become a pastor. And 
um, you know, what's, what's the phrase new level, new devil, when mm, you decide, yeah. when you decide I'm going to be serious about my faith, I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm going to set myself apart. I'm going to depart Babylon. When you start making those sorts of decisions that go outside of the realms of just pew warming, uh, a lot of, of people can experience sleep paralysis at that point too, because it's, it's just a bullying tactic, I will scare you out of this because I've heard this so many times, not even in relation just to sleep paralysis, but how many times have you heard this? Um, whenever I try to get close to God, I have a lot of warfare. And so people just decide. We, we talk about this a lot on this show. Yeah. And I, I would like to put a pin in that because there's a question in that that I, I've been wanting to ask you. But really quick, uh, just for people who don't know, what is sleep paralysis? Yeah, absolutely. What do people generally experience? This is a great question because I think sleep paralysis is a poor phraseology, and I'll tell you right. why. Physiologically, the way God designed us is that during certain phases of sleep, primarily REM, our body goes into a paralytic, a mild paralytic state. This is for our protection. If we were not sort of grounded to the bed, so to speak, we would act out our dreams. And we see when this functionality is disturbed in people, we have sleepwalkers, we have people who bed wet. Everything shuts down during those sleep phases so that we're not getting out of bed and stumbling down our staircases and bre breaking our legs or sleepwalking out into traffic or you know, assaulting the person in bed next to us if we're married. And so um, that part is normal. So to say sleep paralysis is almost kind of redundant and silly and somewhat intellectually ignorant because we all have, ha have times of paralysis when we sleep. In fact, we have numerous moments of sleep of paralysis when we sleep as we're going in and out of these REM phases. So I think what a more accurate phrase would be is a sleep paralysis episode or a sleep paralysis attack. In other mm -hmm. words, this is a common very spiritual slash astral slash demonic encounter that we're having where during those phases when our body is in a, in a, in a paralyzed mode, we are having visualizations. And I, I use that word very intentionally. I don't use the word hallucination. Visualizations beyond the veil, so to speak. Uh, when we are in altered states of consciousness, whether it is sleeping or it's something as, as extreme as psychedelics or ayahuasca or alcohol, when we are in altered states of consciousness, that veil thins. And uh, so it's when we have these encounters in these altered states of consciousness. And so uh, before I, I put a period on that, I just do want to specify, and this is in the book as well, the reason I use the word visualization instead of hallucination is I'm a word nerd. I was an English major. Words matter. And if you look at what they're doing in our culture right now to make words mean uh, things other than what they really mean, it's diabolical when you start messing with the language. And so yeah. hallucination, if you actually look up the, the dictionary definition, definition of hallucination, it is seeing something that isn't really there. In other words, it's sort of a synonym with a delusion. You're delusional. And what is sort of gaslighting about that phrase and why I think it is used synonymously with sleep paralysis sufferers, they're hallucinating, is because you are actually stating without stating overtly that 
they're sort of out of their minds. They're, 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 they're very good intentioned people, but they're just asleep and they're having a dream and, and they're hyper spiritualizing things. And Hey, let's get down to Occam's razor. Like this is just narcolepsy. This is just a sleep disorder. Uh, take some Zequil, You'll be fine. That sort of a thing. But the, the issue is, is that what these people are seeing is not a hallucination. It's not a delusion. They are, are really seeing these things. So hallucination does not do justice to, to what is actually occurring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People are really seeing these things. And I want to, this is actually the point I wanted to ask you, because you said that people experience this sometimes worse when they decide that they're going to take their faith seriously. And this was my issue with understanding sleep paralysis years ago. I've been married for 10 years. My wife has had this problem since I've known, you know, since before I knew her, I actually was asking her questions about it before just so I could get it right. And we did a video recently about, uh, imaginary friends and how I think that this was a way of normalizing demonic, um, interactions with children. And so I asked her about it and she said when she was three or four, she had very real imaginary friends, like very, very real. And they were asking her to go away and leave her parents and do all these weird things. And she's had these encounters with them her whole life. And it was after she started seeing these um, very real imaginary friends that she started having sleep paralysis around the five or six years old. And, you know, it's like a, she says it to her, it's like a demon is sitting on her chest. She can see it. She can feel it. Uh, it's terror. It's awful. And I've been in bed with her so many times where she finally is able to break free from an episode and she's scared. Like, like nobody's ever been scared before. And so I've woken up with her more times than I can count, you know, praying and asking for God to protect her and all this stuff. And the reason it was hard for, for me, and I'm not trying to say like, oh, this, you know, this was hard on me. No, it's hard on my wife. But <laughs> what I'm saying is it was hard for me on a, on a faith level was that my wife is one of the most innocent, pure people I've ever met in my life. Abby's met her. My wife yeah, is she's like... she's a sweetheart. <laughs> she's so yeah. sweet. She's so sweet. And she doesn't... She's like her idea of doing something awful is like uh, eating too much sugar. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, <laughs> she's like, I'm a terrible, awful sinner. Forgive me. Um, <laughs> but for me, it was like, I grew up in the church thinking, well, if you're saved, then demons can't mess with you. And I had conflated, I understand this now, that I had conflated demonic possession and demonic uh, oppression. And I was just like, how could my wife, who's so wonderful and, and loves God and reads her Bible and is just, uh, you know, has more faith than anybody I know experiencing this. I thought that it had, I wanted to find the answer that the psychologists give you. I wanted to believe that it was, you know, you're in REM sleep, you wake up from it and you're still dreaming, but you can't move because you're still in that physical REM. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like I damaged her by wanting her to believe that because oh. I wanted to believe it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it took me a while to come around and be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize just how real you were and calling it hallucination was awful. It was, it was not fair because you're right. It's like, you're trying to like, what'd you say? Occam's razor, the crap out of this thing and like change what people are seeing and say, you're not really seeing what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what, that's kind of my fascination with the subject. Cause I, I hope that through all of the things that I've seen and experienced that maybe, you know, people can understand like when your loved ones are going through something like this, it's not as simple as, you know, you're just imagining this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I think, I you know, this is just my little pop psychology. And this is my, mm-hmm. my own theories, just from my own experience and the people I've spoken to. 
and it, not even just with sleep paralysis, but we have absolutely stripped the supernatural out of evangelicalism. The, yes. the Bible has become a very um, stripped down, very Greek stoicized version of, of its original context. And because that's been going on for a hundred or more years, we are now really uncomfortable and easily triggered when supernatural stuff outside of our, the little boundaries that we've mm -hmm. made start to happen. And so I think that whenever we hear something that scares us, whether it's subconscious or conscious, we kind of feel like if we can shut that person down, we don't really have to contemplate yeah. that, that, all of the tentacles attached to what they're potentially saying. Because if we admit that someone's having sleep paralysis and demons are showing up in their room at night, there are thousands of implications to that that clash with our traditional doctrine, like Christians can't be bothered by this kind of stuff. And it it's like the Jenga piece. Like once you take that one Jenga piece out, the entire thing can smash. And the awesome thing about our, our faith in Jesus, not our faith in our denomination or in our church or, or in our salvation experience or our walk thus far. When our faith is in Jesus, no matter how many of those Jenga pieces go crashing to the ground, even if not one block is left on top of another, we're not destroyed. God can take all of those pieces and put them back together again. And in fact, he can put them back together in a more stable, more beautiful position than they were to begin with. And so I think we have to stop being afraid of our sacred cows getting turned into filet mignons, you know, like sometimes <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it doesn't mean a dead cow. It means a delicious meal. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I understand uh, where you were coming from and, I even do it because even though I believe all this stuff and I experienced all of it, I have people that contact me whose experiences are a hundred times beyond what I've ever imagined. You have people who have undergone satanic ritual abuse, who have gone through rituals. They, they've you know visualized things more than just shadows or guys with hats like that looked like Freddy Krueger, right? There are stories that people tell me that are so beyond, beyond, beyond science fiction that, you know, you would think that you couldn't baffle my brain. You can. I've heard stories in the last year. And my first reaction, even though I believe them, is, whoa, 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 like the walls go up. Yeah. And so I have to recognize that even in my own brain, the way we are designed, because we have fear, because we have cognitive dissonance, that those walls immediately go up. And I think that as a church, we have to stop ascribing every really powerful emotion we have to the Holy Spirit saying something. Um, sometimes it's our own fear. Sometimes it's our own lack of experience or lack of understanding. And um, I, I just think we do have to continuously test every spirit to see whether it's from God instead of walking away from the person in the church lobby who just told you their experience and oh man what a weirdo or oh man I can't wait to get home and tell my spouse what crazy thing this person said and we're going to make fun of them over lunch we're supposed to test every spirit to see whether it's from God and so I think that when we hear these crazy stories 
especially the more we hear about them and as there's more disclosure, at, at some point, instead of just writing these people off or mocking them uh, or walking off with a superior air about us, we do have to do that step of going to God and saying, okay, God, I just heard the craziest story from this guy at church that seemed like really stable. And I know he's a believer. Like there's gotta be more to this than this guy just wants attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's going on here. And, um, not everybody has to know this stuff. Not everybody has to be proficient in sleep paralysis and, 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 demonic things and in occult rituals and in deliverance that it's not everyone's calling. And so if it's too much for you and it doesn't touch you or your life or anyone in your life, and if it's just distressing to you and if the enemy uses it to confuse you and frighten you, then walk away from it and go, you know, study Galatians or memorize the Psalms or something, you know, and I'm not saying that facetiously. I'm just saying this is tough stuff. And I'm not here to titillate people or give them campfire stories or stories to tell you like the next time you're having a slumber party. So you've got the best demon story. I'm not interested in supplying, you know, slumber party fodder for people. What, what I am aware of is that there are tens of thousands of people currently being harassed by these entities. And in many cases, it is wearing out the saints, which we know from the book of Daniel as part of the agenda. It's mm -hmm. wearing out the saints. It's causing people to question their faith because they were brought up in churches that said this could never happen to a real Christian. And simultaneously with the sleep paralysis, they're aware of their own flesh and their own sin and their own downfalls. And they're, they, they're con under self-condemnation. People are losing their faith over this. That's what I'm interested in. That's why I'm willing to talk about this stuff. I'm not here to glorify the demon world. I'm here to expose the deeds of the devil because captives get set free when that happens. So Amen. don't get it. Don't get it mixed up. We're not here to give any glory to demons and how spooky and cool they are. Yeah. Amen. You said uh, about testing the spirits, which is so interesting right now, because that's a huge thing. Uh, specifically in what we do with, with conspiracy stuff and we get into talking about aliens and cryptids and all these things, and we come across stories. We talked about it with, like, the Anunnaki and greys and things like that where if they come to people and they're like, look, I'm good, people just assume, you know, they don't, they're not testing these spirits, and they are spirits, um, but yeah. they, just, they, they just take them at their word, and we're seeing an actual return to Anunnaki worship. We're seeing definite, uh, definite gray worship with people like uh, Stephen Greer and Demi Lovato and Kesha and all these people that we've talked about before. Yep. Um, and that was something in your book that I thought was really interesting. Is there's this these people who are not experiencing it as horrifically as as my wife is experiencing it, but experiencing it. And we've talked about this again with grays and with other things, uh, fairies and whatever, where people experience it. Uh, psychedelics is another good example of this. They'll experience these things that are that are bad for them, but because they're open to it and they're this they're easily deceived is probably the best way to put it. They're they're getting the good experience because that to them is what's going to deceive them and get them to go into things like playing around with astral projection and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I have, yeah. I have a couple of related questions that I think will kind of lead into probably where we need to go next, which is yeah. what what is it? What what is it actually? And how do you know if you're experiencing it frankie over on youtube said is there a way to differentiate whether you're simply dreaming something awful or if you're truly seeing something and yeah the flip side of that is i've had experiences that are very much they have every feature of what you're talking about 
but I never saw a demon. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. I'd love to yeah. hear more. Yeah. So I'll answer the second question first because it's the easiest. There's a lot of people that have sleep paralysis that never see the entity. And I'm one of those. I saw the hat man twice. But other than that, uh, I, I've never seen one of them. Thank God, because I don't know how the people that see them. Yeah. Oh, I would never I would never go to sleep ever again. I, I'd sleep with like a floodlight on in my bedroom. It would be so scary. <laughs> but um, so you don't have to actually see them. But what's interesting about the people that have sleep paralysis without the actual visual is they can tell you when it's in the room, where it's in the room, where it's moving. If it's a male or a female energy, if there's more than one of them, there is some, the, the senses are so heightened. And especially if you have the Holy Spirit, you are, you are able to detect, you know, exactly where these things are. You know, when they've left, you know, then, you know, when they've left the building, so you don't have to see them, um, uh, to, for, for it to be an actual sleep paralysis encounter. Uh, so the first question is a little bit trickier uh, because there, I, there's so many layers of various nocturnal experiences. You've got dreams where your brain is just defragging and uh, processing the thoughts and, and, you know, defragging like a computer, but you can have spiritual dreams Uh you can have dreams that come from, from heaven. And, um, a lot of people that have sleep paralysis also have a lot of spiritual dreams and a lot of very intuitive dreams. And I'm not saying predicting the future kind of stuff, but, um, very detailed dreams and lucid dreaming and things like that. And then there are nightmares, there's bad dreams. And then there is, dreams that our actual encounters you will wake up and you won't necessarily think like oh i was in the astral realm it's not like wizard of oz where everything's green and you know flying monkeys on brooms like you, you know there's a lot of dreams uh, i'll tell you how subtle it is it wasn't until i was in my late 40s that i realized that many of these sleep paralysis experiences were in the astral and I just had never dawned to me because I don't astral project. So, of course, these are just bad dreams. But to answer the actual question, how do you know the difference? Sometimes it's really hard to know the difference. And here's just a couple of things you can watch out for. Typically, typically, there's always outliers that fall out of these little standards, right? Typically, when you're having a dream where you're just defragging or you're stressed out or you're getting those little montages of, you know, like if you watched a YouTube video before you went to bed and, you know, Eddie Van Halen showed up in it and all of a sudden Eddie Van Halen's in your dream, you know, you, you get those sort of bleed overs of what's in your conscience and stuff. A lot of times normal dreaming is fragmented. It's not cohesive. It's a lot of um, nonsensical things and flashings. Uh, and with astral dreams, sleep paralysis dreams, demonic dreams, or dreams that are actually done militarized or witchcraft because they can remote view or astral project human beings aided by entities, of course, uh, sometimes it can actually be human beings who are, who are using this technology 
to spy, etc. So a lot of times the, the clues that I look for are if I wake up and my dream was extremely detailed and it has a beginning, middle and end, where if I woke up and wrote it down, it would be a best-selling novel. Uh, most of the times when you're dreaming something and you're like, this is awesome. And then you wake up and you think about it and you're like, that was dumb. That didn't even make sense. You know? <laughs> yeah. So um, another thing is a lot of times when I'm in the, these astral dreams, there's tons and tons of commotion. You're in crowds of people People are coming at you at all sides. There, there's agendas. There's things that you're doing. You're on missions. You're flying places. You're in New York City, and now you're in Rome, and you're speaking other languages, and and you're popular, and you're it, it, you're busy, and you wake up exhausted. Mm. And yep. uh, another thing that is really a tip off for me is. If I've slept eight hours and I wake up and I'm exhausted the whole rest of the day, or I wake up in a really anxious mood and it's not related to anything, I'm not going to have a bad work day that day. There's nothing on my calendar I'm dreading. I'm exhausted for no reason. I, I feel oppressed. I feel nervous. I'm because these things do attach and follow into the physical. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people with sleep paralysis really are are missing is we all do that warfare in the room. Jesus, help me. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, get out. And then as soon as you feel it's over, you're like, okay, phew, it's done. Yeah. It's not done. It's just begun. They leave, the presence leaves, but there is usually some sort of an attachment there. And people with sleep paralysis will talk about an oppression that follows them mm. for, uh, for hours, days, or weeks. And it can come in different forms, different. It can be fear, it can be paranoia. It can be high anxiety, like, oh, my husband's going to leave me. Or what if my husband's cheating on me? Or or vain imaginations up the yin-yang and uh, fear. And now all of a sudden you're developing phobias and you're afraid of the dark and you're afraid to sleep and you're afraid to go in that room anymore. And now you are starting to build up... Um, Oh, what's the, you're starting to build up rituals now. Now, before I go to bed, I have to wear these pajamas and I have to run and only hit the carpet three times and then jump on the bed. And then my covers have to go up to here. Like we start formulating all of these rituals that are going to protect us. And I think that that is even a danger because anytime you start trusting in ritualistic behavior, instead of Jesus is the doorkeeper of my bedroom and he's watching out for me and he's going to send angels to protect me and his name is powerful. Once you start trusting in, you know, the Bible you put on the end of your bed that you think is going to scare them off or, or the light classical music that you're playing or the fact that I, I, I would try things. None of it worked. And let me tell you what happens. As soon as you try something to outwit them, they love that. And they'll step up the game. So you're actually going to dig yourself deeper and deeper if you try to outwit them. And some of the things that I would do to outwit them is I'm going to sleep with the Bible on my bed. And they're like, oh, yeah. And it would be like worse. And then uh, I I had things like I'm going to sleep with like harp music playing or uh, I'm going to sleep with my lights on. This was the worst one ever. The worst idea I ever had is I'm going to start sleeping with the sleep mask on. So when I wake up, I don't see anything. And those were the worst sleep uh, paralysis experiences I ever had because they're like, oh, you don't want to look at your bedroom? 
well, then we'll let you look at whatever we want you to look at. And those images were a thousand times scarier and more traumatizing to me than just looking at my bedroom. So, so I, I think that there are things that we can do to determine once we've woke up, just put your finger on the pulse of your mental, physical, and spiritual and emotional energy. And I don't mean that in a new age sense. I mean, your literal energy level, like, Uh, after a good night's sleep, you should wake up refreshed. And if you're Mm -hmm. paranoid and agitated and for, if you went to bed in a good mood and all of a sudden you're furious with the people in, in, in the house, uh, because this is what's scary about it. You guys, it, in many cases, we're having sleep paralysis encounters and we're not remembering them. They're they're so traumatic that we assume that we're remembering all of them, especially because we have remembered so many of them, but I have had experiences and I've had people talk to me who have have had this experience where they've woke up, no memory of a nightmare, no memory of a bad dream, no memory of restlessness, no memory of anything traumatic or bad or sleep paralysis happening. And a family member will tell them what was going on. You were crying out for the name of Jesus in your sleep. You were thrashing around this or that. And so what that says to me is for every time that I've remembered this, there's times that I haven't remembered this. And so I really, in the morning, uh, especially if I'm instantly inundated with fear or condemnation or a dread for the day, and it's not attached to anything real, I, I will just start doing intercession. I'll take those thoughts captive and I will, I will, I will make an assumption that maybe something happened in my sleep that I don't remember and I will do war with it, even though I'm not confident that that yeah. anything necessarily happened. <clears throat> I want to say too, for people, cause I see people in chat who are asking things who have obviously experienced this. If you guys haven't, you know, we're obviously we're talking about this. You can go and listen to Vicky talk in plenty of shows, but I highly recommend you actually do uh, pick up the book. Here's the book on the screen for you guys. They can only come out at night or they only, yeah, they only come out at night. And there are a lot of prayers and, and stuff in here as well that I think could be really helpful. And my wife who's been, like I said, experiencing this for over 20 years has just absolutely loved this. And a lot mm-hmm. of what you're saying is is uh, new to me, but it's not new to me. As in, like, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that these were things that were going on because my wife will do the same thing. She'll wake up, you know, shouting things, doesn't remember it. Uh, she'll have 10 hours of sleep and be absolutely drained. So she's like, I think, I think that I'm done with the sleep process stuff. I haven't had it in a few nights, but I'm still tired. And she'll say that. She's like, I haven't had an attack in a week or two weeks, but I sleep for eight to 10 hours and I'm just wiped out and i'm always like <laughs> everybody knows that i don't sleep so i'm <laughs> i'm like i slept for four hours and i'm fine and I'm, I'm like how are you sleeping for eight or ten and you're exhausted but i think she really is dealing with something yeah i really i don't want to you know build an entire foundation on top of this one verse but i really feel that the the verse in daniel where it says that the in the end the the enemy is going to wear out the saints There's many, many, many different ways he's going to do that. But I think that that's true on a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual level. And anyone who's talked to or knows someone who's had continual sleep paralysis, worn out, there's no better way to explain it. And it's not just you're physically tired or you need a nap. You become emotionally drained. You're personality and your zest for life and your zeal starts to wane and you become tired. And then the emotions come in and you're like, 
I should be doing all this stuff for the Lord. And I, I just can't even get started. I, I know people who have suffered with this where it takes them four hours every morning in prayer and sitting on the couch and their coffee to even just feel awake or normal again. And I've whittled that down to 30 to 60 minutes every morning, which is great because I don't have to struggle with having a quiet time in the morning. I have to have it because I just, I wake up, I'm not waking up because I'm tired. I am a hundred percent drained. And it's so crazy. There's that point where I'm sitting on my couch and I, I'm, I'm in the word and it's somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes. It's like a switch goes on and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm back. It's me. Okay. Okay. You know? And so, Mm -hmm. and, but that's the fight of faith. That's warfare. That's doing war. That's taking every thought captive. That's testing the spirits. Like we are supposed to be wrestling with this stuff. And if you don't have sleep paralysis, you should be doing this every morning anyway, because the, the enemy is chasing us down. He's on our heels at every moment, whether you feel it or realize it or, or not. Yeah. Uh, Jess over here says, this is so crazy to hear because I thought I had shaken off sleep paralysis, at least chronically, since I don't see the demon except rarely, but it doesn't sound like that's actually true. Hmm. Um, so is that some, is that kind of what you're saying is like there's a way maybe you get past that seeing of it, but you're still having to find a way to like you can't just like let your guard down. You have to keep fighting this fight every morning. Yeah, I think as soon as we start thinking like, oh, the lion isn't prowling around seeking who he can yeah. devour anymore, we might be in trouble. But but yeah. I also I also and I always stress this just because people with sleep paralysis have a really good scapegoat it's always nice to say like oh this this is the devil's fault and this is warfare and you got to be really careful like i have a target on my back i'm important you know like we we, you know (laughs) knock it off like but but with that said even before i blame stuff on sleep paralysis even before i blame stuff on spiritual warfare even before I blame things on like, well, I'm on all these podcasts preaching the gospel. So blah, blah, blah. The very, the first three questions I always ask myself before anything spiritual is, am I tired? Am I hungry? Am I taking care of myself? Because if you're, if you're sitting around on the couch, you're not, you're not moving around during the day. You're not taking care of your vessel. If you're staying up till three in the morning watching, you know, movies and you're eating a whole bag of Doritos, you're going to feel tired and depressed and and bad the next day. So we also have to be careful in our flesh. And I'm not saying in our sin, in our flesh, we all live in these fallen bodies and are, are we're subject to decay every every day. Our body is one closer to the to the to the grave. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to not just wake up and chalk off every bad morning or uh, every time you, you, you know, get into an argument with your spouse, it, the whole, the devil made me do it stuff that doesn't fly. It didn't fly with Adam and Eve. We're accountable right. for the way we treat people. And, and we are accountable to take care of our bodies and to the best of our ability, we need to be hydrating and sleeping and eating good food and, um, fixing our eyes on the things that are unseen instead of what is seen. So we've kind of talked about all these different aspects of, of dealing with it, with prayer, uh, with kind of what people are experiencing, but I don't know if we've really fully delved into like what exactly this is. And we've, we've kind of brought up the, the astral stuff and I'd like to delve into those subjects a little bit. Sure. Um, so yeah, I guess, I mean, 
maybe I'm maybe I'm saying this wrong. I mean, what what exactly are these beings? Are they just demons? Is it like that simple? Is it uh, something more? It's not quite that simple. So I think that the things that we are seeing in the physical realm, whether it's in our bedroom or you know, like the hat man, the alien graves, these are things that we can see even during waking mm-hmm. hours. Paranormal experiences, these are a lot of things that are happening in the house when you're awake. You know, the paranormal experiences in the shadows and the things with red eyes and the cryptids. I think that a lot of that stuff you could easily categorize as demons because as the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, they have half, you know, their mitochondria DNA is human, right? So they are still terrestrial bound. Uh, When you start getting into the astral realm and Ephesians, I'm getting this from Ephesians 6.12. I'm not making this stuff up. When we read every translation of Ephesians 6.12, when we go into the Greek and we study what these archons and these rulers and these principalities and these spiritual forces of of darkness are, uh, none of the definitions in Ephesians 6.12 link to the word demon or the Greek equivalent of the word demon. And I think that that's because the astral plane is a dimension apart from the terrestrial realm. And the demons are partially human. And so I think that in the heavenly realm, you're dealing with other dimensional beings. They are higher than Mm -hmm. the demonic beings. If you study the demonic dictionaries of antiquity, the, the sleep paralysis demons, the incubus, the succubus, the Mara, you know, then where we get nightmare from, then the mare is, is, a, as is the demon. And in fact, that word nightmare used to only refer to sleep paralysis because you were getting a visit in the night from the Mara demon, which was yeah. sitting on your chest. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off too much, but yeah. like that, that's one of the most interesting things in the book is there's this whole section where it's like, you know, when we talk about grays, one of the things that people say is like, oh, well, this is a mostly American thing. And I've made the point. I'm like, well, they show themselves differently to different people. We've talked about fairies and grays and gargoyles and whatever the Egyptians were talking about, birdmen, all these things. I'm like, they show themselves differently yeah. to different people. So it's saying that grays are just North American means they're fake is uh, oversimplification. But what's interesting about the sleep paralysis thing is it is thousands of years old. It's in every single culture. I mean, there's literally pages of the book of like this culture at this time, this culture called it this. Uh, They called it the Jinn. They called it the Mera. They called it Succubus and Incubus. And it's very detailed. And I I just think that that's super fascinating for people who don't understand. This is not just a modern American, uh, you know, Freudian psychosemantic BS. This is (laughs) this is all of all of cultures all across the world, all of history. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Even in Celtic cultures, you've got the leprechaun and the banshee. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got gargoyles from Eastern Europe. Yeah, they're all over the place. Um, so the interesting thing then about you know these these night maras uh, is um, you know I I'm losing track of where what was the original question? I'm sorry, I, I, I feel bad <laughs> cutting you off. I just want to get there. Uh, no, we were you were, we were talking about uh, what these things are, and you said uh, that you know there's the things that are in uh, the higher yes. dimensional plane, and then there's the yeah. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
So the reason why these these entities in our room, well, okay, I'm, I got to finish. The, what I was saying about the dictionaries yeah. was if you go into the ancient dictionaries, the the nightmares, the maras, the incubus, the succubuses, these shadow people, they were the lowest of the low on the totem pole in all of demonology. They were the scumbags. They were the janitors. They clean the toilets. These they are nobodies, which is why it's so ironic that we as human beings see them in our room and we're terrified. Well, I mean, I'd be terrified if a janitor sat on my chest. (laughs) Well, that's true. I mean, you should at least be in my kitchen doing my dishes. You're bothering me. But what's so ironic about that is the reason why these things flee in an instant like pansies when you say in the name of Jesus, get out, is because they are the lowest of the lowest of the low. They're the nobodies. Now, when you get into the astral realm of the high places, if you want to go KJV, these archons and these rulers Mm -hmm. and, and these principalities, and I've had people argue with me on this, and there is no thing lacking from the power of the name of Jesus. But if we as human beings start throwing around jargon to a principality the same way we talk to demons, we're going to get ourselves into a little bit of trouble. And it's not because the name of Jesus has failed. It's because our authority is over these terrestrial beings. And Jesus cast out demons. Mm -hmm. Okay. And where a lot of people start, I can understand how people get triggered. And here's the good news. Unless you are some sort of high-ranking shill for the new age, or you're from some elite background, or you're in a military ops program, or you are from a generational Satanist family, principalities and archons have no time for you. You are not that important. So the good news is 990 times out of 1,000, whatever you're dealing with in your dreams or in your bedroom, you can say in the name of Jesus and they're going to flee. But when you start thinking that you can cavalierly throw around, you know, jargon and have these these principalities, I mean, if the angel had to wrestle with the prince of Persia for three weeks before he could talk to Daniel, don't don't think in some half asleep state you're going to just say, get out of here. And they're going to be like, oh, they're they're not they're not they're not (laughs) scared of us. They're not scared. So I really, I, we really have to be careful there uh, just because um, I, I have spoken to satanic ritual abuse survivors and MK Ultra survivors, Montauk survivors, generational Satanist survivors who do see some of these higher entities and you do not enter into that cavalierly. You don't enter into that. I, I'm sorry, but if you are warming a pew every Sunday, but you're warming the recliner in the basement with the porn channel even more, you better not encounter one of those things because they'll eat your lunch. And so I just, I really want people to understand the difference between, you know, to your original question, PJ, are they all demons? They're not all demons. And once you start flirting with or delving with this astral stuff, um, once you start flirting with, with the astral stuff, 
you're going to be entering deeper and deeper and deeper levels of this. And if you get into further levels of initiation, if you're of value to them, mm-hmm. you're going to enter into further and further levels of initiation. And pretty soon you're mm-hmm. not going to be dealing with the silly little like Sandman under the bed. And, and you're going to eventually get yourself in way over your head. Yeah. We talked about this with the uh, project Stargate people that started delving into uh, astral projection and remote viewing and stuff like that. And things got really weird and really out of hand and, and really demonic really quick uh, with, yeah. the, with programs like that. So with sleep paralysis, there's an astral, you're going into the astral realm and then coming back and that's when you're paralyzed. So not necessarily. I, I mean, I do think some of these are just kind of nightmares. I think some of these sleep paralysis experiences are just little shots across the bow. I think some of them are just that little experience in the bedroom. I think uh, a lot of people, myself included, experience, I call it dream within a dream sleep paralysis or inception sleep paralysis, mm-hmm. where it's not that you're awake. You are actually dreaming and in the dream, you're having sleep paralysis. Yes. Yeah. And, and that it's, it's still a bad dream and it's still kind of scary, but it's nothing like, like, yeah. and you don't wake up on your back with the, with the back arch and your mouth open and the, right. the freak out mode and all that stuff. But um, what I think is happening with people who are habitually encountering this night after night, after night, after night, is that I think that it is more of an abduction scenario. Now, Contrary to what is out there on the internet, for people, here, here's the one upshot to having sleep paralysis hundreds and hundreds of times. You do get a chance to observe and formulate hypotheses while you're awake and then test those things out the next time it happens. And so you do discover some things. And so one of the things that I think is um, going on in, in many cases, when I had sleep paralysis and I woke up, in my room, I kind of thought, oh no, sleep paralysis is beginning. It's starting right now. But what, what I remembered as I started really delving into this is, especially as a child, my sleep paralysis always started in a dream. A dream would go south. I would be dreaming and everything would be fine. And then I would hear the vibration and I would hear the sound and I would say, oh, no, it's happening. Oh, no, it's happening. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help. And then it would bam. You had a split second and it would go sinister and then you couldn't move. And then you'd wake up. What I think might actually be happening. And this is why I think that there's more of a relation between sleep paralysis and UFO abductions than previously thought. Mm-hmm. When people are abducted by UFOs, they don't usually have any memory of what happened, but they know something happened because there's missing time. And there's usually hours of missing time and they don't have hours worth of memories. The memory is wiped. Well, here is the sinister thing about sleep paralysis. When your alarm goes off and four to eight hours have gone by, no one wakes up and goes, oh my gosh, where'd that time go? Where have I been? What happened? Yeah. We never question it. And so what I think is happening is I think in some cases with some people, if that's the agenda with that person, that the sleep paralysis that we describe, which is I wake up in my room and something's on my chest and I can't breathe. I actually think that is a bunch of smoke and mirrors. 
I think that what our body is responding to, that adrenaline high that we're experiencing in the bedroom with the saliva completely dried up, the heart racing, the paralyzation, the sweat, uh, we are assuming that all of that is our body responding to the thing on our chest. But what I think is happening is that we have been in the astral realm. Things are happening up there. And I don't think it's the same thing as UFO abductions. I don't think that it's experimentation and uh, medical kind of stuff and experimental and cloning and pregnancies and all that. I think it is a much different agenda. But we're up in the astral. We're making covenants with these entities, which is why so many Christians who struggle with this, who deeply love the Lord, have an emotional detachment to God. They struggle with feeling love for and from God. They struggle with, with I'm doing all the stuff, but I, I'm not connecting. Where are my affections for Christ and what's wrong with me? And it's so funny. There's a lot of people with sleep paralysis who are born again believers and in their waking life, they're doing everything right. They're memorizing scripture and they're not sleeping around and they're not drinking and they're not smoking and they're doing everything right. But the, their life is reflecting the life of the fornicators and the drug addicts. The, the consequences, the fallout is still there. And there's this disconnect with why do I have all of the same struggles with anxiety and depression and self-loathing and guilt and condemnation? And why, when I read the Bible, can't I concentrate? And why, when I pray and when I worship, don't I feel stuff? And they can't understand this disconnect. And I think it's because in some cases, they're being duped into making covenants with these entities in the astral realm. They're waking up with no memory of it. And their body, their, their mind doesn't remember what happened, but their body is in a fight or flight high adrenaline response because the body mm -hmm. remembers where it was and what it just happened, what happened to them. And so the way that they throw us off course to not remembering or not doing any sort of testing of the spirits is they put a demon on our chest or a shadow man by our door. So we have a very logical explanation right in front of our faces as to why our body is in a high adrenaline fight or flight scenario. We chalk it off to the shadow man and we don't ever question if there was anything else to that sleep paralysis attack that we're not remembering. Holy cow. Wow. There's a lot there. <laughs> I, have, I know. Okay. On that so, happy note. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, this was after I had listened to your your episode. So the the possibilities of all these things were in my mind. I was thinking, okay, is it is it possible to go someplace you're not supposed to while you're sleeping? Is it possible to ask for protection? This sort of stuff. Because I've had both. I've had the dream within the dream paralysis stuff, which is scary but not terrible. It's just it's more annoying than anything. It's like ah, gosh, I just want to find the door so I can I can get exactly. out of this. Um, but. But the other that I that I get is is that absolute terror waking up and and having absolutely no memory of of a dream. There wasn't a dream. There wasn't anything particular. Scary, but I wake up and I'm, I everything I know that something happened. I just don't know. But a couple nights ago, I woke up yelling next to my husband. He he reached for me. He said something to me. I didn't know who he was. 
um, it's the first time this is that I've ever been so lost in it that I didn't know where I was. I didn't know who he was. And it wasn't until several, I got up out of bed. I just, I'm like, I can't like be here next to somebody I don't recognize. I got up, I walked to the bathroom, I sat on the toilet. And it was like a full minute later when I was like, oh, I'm in my bathroom. That was John. Everything's fine. But it was crazy. That is crazy. That was the actual plot of an old uh, Rod Serling Twilight Zone episode, by the way, where uh, (laughs) the, the man woke up and... I can't remember if he didn't recognize the house and the spouse or if the spouse didn't recognize, I, but I think oh, he didn't wow. rec- I can't remember, but that, that actually, it, you know, it always makes me wonder if we're being trolled with this stuff. You yeah. Know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so but, much in, in art that, that I think people are reaching up into that realm and, and pulling down stories and telling us about things that are true. Yeah. But it's interesting what, that you said that, Abby, though, because I, I've never heard anyone say that before. But one thing that Ellie Marzulli talks about a lot with UFO abductees is the uh, um, UFO brain fog, uh, yeah. if you heard that. And there's definitely that with sleep paralysis, too. Usually it only lasts a couple seconds. Uh, but with you actually getting out of bed and, and having like being awake and it taking you a minute to shake out of it that really, really sounds like the, the, the brain fog that the UFO abductees talk about. It's so interesting because yeah. I, I love pointing out that we've, we've made some of these connections. You said earlier the, the chocolate and peanut butter thing. It's like, well, don't, don't get your sleep paralysis stuff mixed in with my you know, alien stuff. But, but like the first person that did this really well was John Keel, and he talks about literally in the same book, cryptids, sleep paralysis, uh, men in black, UFOs, the whole deal. And they just so, seem so interconnected. And then you read some of these people like, um, I'm going to mess up his name, Jacques, uh, we talked about him before, Jacques something, the UFO researcher. And his his whole thing was like, this is not the exception. This is the norm. The, the sleep paralysis, the hat man, the things like that. These are the norm in all this stuff. And his other thing that he says is that this whole thing with grays seems in, seems deceptive in nature. So we've kind of pinpointed the ways that like the grays have deceived people. And uh, I think that these are, like you said, demonic entities, uh, these lower plane demonic entities. But with the sleep paralysis stuff, I'm kind of, my mind's still kind of blown by what you said, because it's like, if the whole sleep paralysis experience that people are waking up to is the, is the mask for whatever else is going on in the astral plane and what's happening in your dreams, whatever's going on between you and these demonic entities. And that's like this, be afraid, wake up and remember this. It mirrors the grays in that way of missing time and a, a great deception at the end of it. You know, oh, here, we're here for peace or we're doing this or we're doing that. And that's the thing, thing you're going to remember. Yet you're still going to have eight hours of missing time. So what you're remembering is five seconds of what the grays wanted you to remember. Or in this case, you're remembering this terrifying final experience that the sleep uh, paralysis demons wanted you to remember. I find that really interesting, just the crossover there. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, sorry. There's, so you, you said when this happens, you, you tend to get very, very tired, not good sleep, right? And on the flip side of this, I have experienced, there's a couple places where I go back to and I have gone back to in my dreams over and over, those, those more real dreams, not the silly ones, but the real ones. Um, there's a house I've never been to in my life that I go back to, um, if I'm lucid, 
it's most likely to be there. Um, and then the church that I grew up in, um, is also a place that I go back to in my dreams. And if I am there and with some intentionality, might not be completely lucid, but with some intentionality clean, if I can clean and I can make something, put something right, I'll wake up and it's the best sleep I've ever had in my life. Awesome. Yeah. So worldly wisdom. Uh, I read once that if you continuously go back to like a house where you grew up in, cause like I moved around a lot, so I had a mm-hmm. lot of houses, yeah. but so it's both of us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's usually only one that I dream about over and over and over again. And so uh, like the worldly wisdom is that there's something unhealed or unresolved from that time period. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. It kind of lines up with, with, with my reality, but uh, I'm really glad you brought that up because one of the chat questions, the live chat questions earlier was how can you tell the difference between the astral realm and the real and the, and the, just the dreams. And you brought up a really good point there, Abby. If you ever have a dream, like a recurring dream, like the, the dream doesn't have to play out. The plot doesn't have to be the same, but you're in a neighborhood or a house or a church, or you're somewhere and you are dreaming about this place over and over and over again. And it's not a real place and you've never been there, but you've dreamt about it so many times that you know where the broom closet is. And, and there's even times where you're like, Oh crap, this is the dream where that guy's going to come and bore the crap out of me and talk to me. Like, Oh, I have dreams like that. I'm like, Oh no, not this dream again. This is so boring. But, um, that can be an indication that you are in the astral because the astral has real, compartments and rooms and, you know, uh, fantasy suites, you know, you go in and like, here, here's the house, here's the whatever. And, um, I, I, I have had dreams where I'm, I'm at a certain place over and over and over and over again. And it's like, Oh, maybe I'm in a real place. Maybe that's why it's so detailed and yes. I and I know the floor plan and I'll tell you just a little like oh here's your one little goosebump story you're gonna get out of me um there was a very 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 traumatic dream that I had right after my mom died and I had never contemplated in my life that I had ever been in the astral realm but this dream was so detailed and the character in it was so sinister and so real and so detailed and I knew that there was something more to it than a dream because when I woke up and this is a couple other things that you can look at in the dream, I had my inner monologue and my identity, like my personality, my sarcasm, my sense of humor, it was intact. As this man in the dream was talking to me, I had a full mental preparation of what I was going to say next. And I, he was saying something that I didn't agree with. And so I spat out this snarky little comment But what was interesting is when we got to the point on the staircase, like it was a very detailed house. I could detail that it was old, like old European. It was dark. There were sconces on the wall, wood paneling, the, the, um, uh, race, uh, not the crown molding rather the, the, the dusty carpet that went on the wood floor. And as we turned the corner, uh, it was when I made my snarky comment and it opened up into a very detailed, ornate, open grand foyer, kind of a a double staircase kind of a thing. And um, at this point, he grabbed me by the throat to kill me. And I'm trying to say the name of Jesus. And, and I hadn't, I couldn't say anything because I had no windpipe. It was, I was 
couldn't get a word out. I couldn't breathe. And I thought ran through my head. I have to call in the name of Jesus. And he grabbed harder and he said, don't you dare utter that name. And what happened in my dream is my entire life flashed before my eyes, like happens supposedly in real life when you're in a situation like that. And I remember thinking, this is how I die. This is crazy. This is how I die. And they love to torment you. So as this guy was was breathing out all of his hatred and how he wanted to kill me, I opened my eyes. And this was this was just a couple of weeks after my mother died. And when I opened my eyes, his face morphed into my mother's. And my mother was like killing me, right? It was so disgusting. It was so disturbing. I was terrified. And I woke up and I'm like, I'm not really, I'm not really like this, but it was so real that for 10 years I've been Google imaging searches because I'm determined that I'm going to find that house. And whenever something like that is in a movie, I'll like freeze frame and I'll look and and I haven't found it. But recently I was speaking to an SRA survivor who was uh, part of a mind control government program under a very elite family whose last name you would recognize. And does it I, rhyme with Rothschild? It does. It does. It does not. It does not <laughs> rhyme with. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Um, I was saying something to her about this dream. And I said, and I turned the hallway and she interrupted me and she said, and there was a massive grand foyer staircase that split in two and had these car. She described it to the T and I said, what? And she said, it was so-and-so's house, which is a person we would all recognize. And so I can't corroborate that. And I, I hate being melodramatic, but what I'm telling you there is that dream was so detailed and I, there were just too many aspects of clarity of detail mm-hmm. of, of, <clears throat> of my having my full wits about me of having an inner monologue of, of, of all of this stuff. And so whether I'd ever had that corroboration or not, but it's really interesting that you said that, that, and that is another interesting thing, or it's another important detail that we can, that we can take into the waking is if we're having recurring dreams of places, neighborhoods, streets, uh, houses that we've never been to, but our brain has a memory of them. Uh, th- this isn't just our our brain defragging. It's because it's pulling out of our non-conscious brain where we have memories of these places. And I'm not talking about reincarnation and past yeah. lives, people. I've been in this house so many times. I have memories of being very young and being in this house. I have memories of being a size where I could climb into a secret passageway that I'm too big to climb into now. Um that's now been boarded up. But for all the times I've been in the house, I have never been past the guest room in the entryway. Hmm. I've been all around it. It's on a lake. There's leaves on the, on the walk. I'm usually outside. I've, I've slept in the guest room. I've stayed there. Um, but I've never been in the house and I, I've never even thought about going in the house. Hmm. It's, it's yeah. weird. Yeah. that's what we have to pay attention to. Also, there are so many things. And I think that this is part one of the many, many reasons why they are inundating us with data 
and mm. memes and blah, blah, blah. like I can no longer remember. It used to be like, who told me that? And I could, I could count on my hand the people I'd yeah. talked to that week or the books I'd read. But now it's like, did someone tell me that? Did I read it? Did I see it on social media? Was it a meme? What was it? I can't even pinpoint anymore where I've heard information. And one of the reasons I think they're oversaturating us with all of this data is so that we don't question all the time, like, wait, that's weird. There has been so many times in my life, and I'm sure you can both resonate, where it's taken me weeks to months to years to finally have something revealed to me by the Holy Spirit. But then in retrospect, I can realize all the times that this particular thing was in my purview and my brain really quickly in a second before it it was derailed was like, wait, that's, that's weird. And then bam, you're on to the next thing. And you don't ever catch those thoughts. And we've got to get better. We've got to run around with our Holy Spirit butterfly net. And when we have those thoughts, we've got to grab it and go, wait, anytime we're like, ah, that doesn't make sense. We've got to explore that because so Mm -hmm. many times the brain is like sending off those warnings And we are so over inundated with data that we don't have two seconds to think on anything anymore. I was, I was having this conversation just yesterday. Uh, It's a little off topic, but it's the same, same concept is just the way the world is changing right now. And I said that I think change happens slowly and then it happens all at once. And we saw these phases where it was like, you normalize something for 50 or 60 or 70 or a hundred years and you kind of do it by getting people right up to the point where they're just angry enough to do something about it. Then you back off and you do that again and again and again until, you know, and I, the example I give, people have heard me say this before, the example I give is with uh, us just letting the government listen to us. Like we all know our iPhone's listening to us, but they did it slowly. They got us angry about it a little bit. Edward Snowden, Google Doc releases and all these things. And then I said, I feel like two years ago, three years ago now, I guess, we entered this all at once phase where now the way that change works isn't that it is uh, slowly, slowly, slowly. It's that they inundate us with so many things to be upset about that we will say something like we did a news story last week and I said, hey, you guys have all been paying attention to this Titan thing, but like here's what's really, here's what you probably should be paying attention to because this is smoke and mirrors. And when, as soon as I said it, they're like, well, that news story is three days old. Why would I care? I'm like, this news story is what's going to affect your children and grandchildren. But now you're to the point that unless we can get out and be on the front line of it and talk about it today and then you give us a pat on the back like, good job for covering this thing. Tomorrow I'll forget about it because there's 12,000 other things to be outraged about. And I think they're getting away with massive change right now because they've gotten past that slow phase and now they're doing the – Here's something to be mad about. Here's something to be mad about. Here's something that's crazy. Here's another huge, like, life-altering change. But they just do it so fast that you can't ever grasp that thing long enough to, like, follow the the trail of it and, like, figure out how to deal with that. Yes, You're just absolutely. being inundated with noise. Absolutely. You know, truth has no expiration date. And, right. you know, we, we know that from Scripture. But one of the deceptions of knowledge from the the tree of knowledge one of the deceptions of of watcher tech and watcher knowledge is this idea that because we have to constantly evolve in understanding because we don't have all the pieces to begin with that somehow anything that's old is outdated and irrelevant Mm -hmm. and what's scary about that is exactly like what you just said something that's three days old is no longer relevant and i've even seen this when i'm trying to um, 
open people's eyes about certain things going on in the world right now in the world of medicine. And if I send them an article that makes perfect sense, and I mean, if you're supposed to follow the science, science is science. It follows the scientific method. It's going to be true whether I wrote it today or 10 years ago. And they will throw away the science and the information because, well, that was an article from 2020 and we've learned a lot about that this since then. And I understand that, you know, we can learn new things, but it, it's interesting that they've gotten us to buy the lie that truth is constantly evolving. Yes, knowledge is constantly It's relativism, evolving. right? They've, they've right. completely sold relativism to, to yes. our generation. Yeah. Yeah. Truth, truth is truth. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't evolve. Yeah, absolutely. I got to say, I love it. Like there's been a few times this episode where, where Vicky will just throw out a word like Nephilim or watchers and talk about a concept that we've talked about a million times. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I just love it because it's like, we're like right on the same page and we're, it's, it's just really cool. A couple Um, months ago, I did an episode on psychedelics and the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And mm -hmm. I was like, I have I'm doing groundbreaking work here. No one has ever said any of this ever. And I I felt like that. I had never heard anyone talk about it. And then as soon as we did it, we started to hear it everywhere. And I'm like, holy crap. Holy crap. And it's very exciting. The box. Yeah. It has been interesting. It has been interesting because we've stumbled upon people like you and other people that we've we've come to really like and respect that we didn't know they were saying these things. We just started deep diving on subjects and finding these truths. And then we're and the same thing. I did that a couple of times. I was like, oh my gosh, this is groundbreaking. Nobody said this. And then I'll find <laughs> someone like L.A. Marzulli or I'll find someone like Rob Skiba or I'll find someone like you. Or we didn't even know who Blurry Creatures was when we started this podcast. Yeah. And everyone's like, have you heard Blurry Creatures? You guys say a lot of the same stuff they do. I'm like, I don't know who they are. <laughs> um, but it's been exactly. really cool because there's a lot of people who are coming to the same truths. And that to me is, is interesting because it's not an echo chamber. There's a lot of disparate people that are coming at this and just honestly praying and seeking the truth and are coming to the truth. And because of that, they're finding each other instead of, instead of the opposite, which is we all come together and then somebody some says something, we all like jump on and attach that thing and, you know, wholeheartedly yeah, agree with it. Absolutely. Um, I want to so, say that. Oh, just really so quick. Guys, I was going to say, I, oh, <laughs> sorry. <Vicky. laughs> I was going to say, I've, I've never had this happen before. This is so unprofessional. I did not realize that my laptop was not plugged in and I'm getting the low battery. Oh, thing. No. So okay. I'm, I'm going to run and get my battery. Do so it. talk amongst yourselves. Okay. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thanks for that permission. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have a, this is, this is just, I know. This is a little kid question, right? She was talking at the beginning about how you have kids who are in so much trauma and this is why these things can attach is because they don't, they don't have, it's, it's so normal to be in that kind of pain and in that kind of, of fear and trauma that they don't separate out as something weird to say no to, um, or tell an adult about, um, and there's part of me that's just like, that's not fair. It's not fair that a kid is already going through something that big and that's the reason they have to go through more. It just makes me angry. Yeah. I mean, that's what these demons do. They, they prey on the weak. And I think that's further to the point that she was saying is a lot of these creatures, they're not like the ones that she was talking about, like the, the principalities and stuff that are going after powerful people to control powerful organizations and make change. These small weak janitor demons as she called them they need the weak they need to prey on the weak right so it's it's unfortunate and sad but that is what 
that's they're pathetic like that, I guess. We were talking about how the the demons prey on the weak. Oh yes, on children like like it's... children who have been traumatized and things like that. Absolutely, absolutely. So many of the people with sleep paralysis are people that up to now could not defend themselves. They could not articulate mm-hmm. it. So you've got not only children and infants, you've got, this is another diabolical one, mm-hmm. elderly people with dementia. Grandma's crazy. She's got dementia. She thinks she sees shadows on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've you've got nonverbal and disabled children living in group homes who have caregivers, but they're not there with, you know, the their blood related, you know, right. patriarch in the home there to be praying over them, et cetera. The, the people that cannot articulate uh, what's going on. But one thing that I think is awesome is thanks to trailblazers like L.A. Marzulli. Hey, man, you don't have to agree with everything he says. You don't have to agree with all of his doctrine. But here's the thing that he's done. He went before all of us. He was willing to be the the collective fool for all of us. He's been mm-hmm. mocked and ridiculed for decades by his peers. And the fact is, is that he broke the ground. And now you've got all of these podcasts and these writers and these researchers. And we are now able to talk about things like this. And we're not, you know, thrown into into the milk truck and brought to the local sanitarium and put in a straitjacket and given heavy psychotropic medication because we're schizophrenic. And so I, I love the fact that the enemy is losing ground. And um, there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is he's losing ground. The bad news is sometimes he gives up territory because the stuff that we've discovered is outdated and he's already moved on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, talk about the past all you want. Um, and I'm noticing that even with sleep paralysis, yeah. the the sleep paralysis of Gen X and the sleep paralysis of the baby boomers is changing. Uh they can reel you in with vinegar. They can reel you in with honey. And these entities know enough about human behavior and human psychology to know that Gen Y and Gen Z are not going to stand for getting the crap scared out of them every single night. They're, they are going to put everything that they're thinking and feeling and experiencing on blast on social media. They're going to talk about it. They're going to resolve to do something about it. They are not as resilient. And by resilient, I mean, like I was saying all the way at the head of the show, when you Gen X and the millennia and, and the baby boomers, we lived in a different time. You don't like what's going on in your life. Tough. You're, yeah. you're going to be you're going to be drafted into the military, whether you like it or not. You're going to work a nine to five job for a little bit of pay, whether you like it or not. You're going to live in a, in a in the house that you can afford and you're not going to get credit. And you're, you're, you do. We just did what we were told and we didn't argue and we didn't question it. And the younger generation doesn't live in that world. They live in a world where they can buck against the system and they can go all the way to the top of their church of their school and of their workplace. And if they throw the right fit, they're going to, they're going to reform things and they're not going to have to deal with it. I'm not going to pay back my college loans. I'm not going to sit in a class where the teacher talks about things that I don't want to hear. And so what we have now are entities that understand this. And so instead of scaring the mess out of them every night and having them bound up in silence and in terror, 
there's they are appealing to this DC Marvel Star Wars raised generation mm-hmm. with you can be as a god, you can come into this virtual reality every night, you can play around in the metaverse, you can reality shift, you can be whatever, you can be Harry Potter, you can be you know Darth Vader, you can be whoever you want. And these, the dream world for you won't be scary. It's going to be a fantasy world and they're going to get lured in, in a very different way. Yeah, absolutely. It's a different uh, tactic, like you said. Yep. Um, Man, I, I, I know you said you have a hard limit, and normally we go on and do like a just a question thing. Uh, we didn't really cut off from, from the audio listeners to do that and stuff like that. So if you guys have any other questions, feel free to ask them. We'll hang out for a few more minutes. You got like five more minutes to hang out? and. Yep, I got time. Some questions? Okay, because uh, I know you got stuff you got to do. But this has been great, and I really hope that we can have you back because we didn't even get into vampire stuff. <laughs> we didn't even get <laughs> oh, into yes. uh, to portals. Uh, and pyramids and all the kind of crazy stuff that we want to talk about. Um, let me see. Uh, do we have any questions that are pulled up right now that we want that uh, people want to ask? I think that the the main. I think everyone's kind of struggling with the same thing. Like a lot of people are saying, "Here's an experience that I have had. Does this fall in line?" Um, Hatman night terrors um, oh i have one i have one here from from your husband he says okay. should people be praying that any unknown covenants be broken because we yeah. were talking earlier about uh people not remembering what they're doing in their yep yep so anyone interested in more of this covenants being made against your will or, or against your memory uh in the astral realm uh chapter four of my book it's extensive it's deep pray before you read it it's dark even la when he was editing it was like oh dude i had to like take a break he had to like keep like stopping and it was a it was a heavy chapter to write but that is on um astral vampire threshold covenants and astral vampires and so there's a lot of tons of stuff in that chapter about what these contracts and oaths actually are why they're binding how to unbind yourself from it etc uh but with that said what i pray every morning not in a formulaic ritualistic way but it's kind of just like the way i cover my bases and it's it's loosely based on a concept that's presented in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 30. Weird, obscure, antiquated chapter of the Torah talking about vows. Now, it's not an apples to apples comparison because Numbers chapter 30 is talking about vows that we make with Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Vows we make to God, like, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to become a, a priest when I, you know, like these yeah. things that we just say in in you know, without much thought. So it's, it's not an exact comparison, but it's interesting because when it gets into the nitty gritty of that passage, it talks about married women, married women who have husbands and unmarried virgins who have fathers, uh, fathers. If a woman who has an authority figure over her makes a vow on the day that her father or her husband hears of it. It doesn't have to be the day the vow made on the day that he hears of it. He can disavow her of it and she gets off the hook for it. So unfortunately 
men and divorced women in this passage, I know it's controversial, it's not politically correct, but men and divorced women do not have this. And it's because married women and virginal women living in their parents' house both have a layer of protection. They have a buffer between them and God. So they get like a second chance. Uh, And so these women uh, can be disavowed of their covenants and their oaths if their husband or their father vouch for them. And so because I fall into that category, uh, I feel, and again, don't take my word for it. Pray about it. Test the spirit because this is just Vicki Joy Anderson and I'm a nobody. But in the spiritual sense, God the Father is our Father. Whether you're divorced, a man, a woman, married, single, God is our Father. And Jesus one day is going to come back as our bridegroom. So we have this layer of protection. And I go into detail in in chapter four about how these entities follow the same mythos as the vampires. They cannot come in and steal your soul unless you give them invitation. And a lot of times that invitation is stolen from us because we know from John 10 that sometimes they don't come in through the front gate. They come in Mm. through some other way. And so when I, when I wake up in the morning, I, I say, God, I have no idea what happened in my sleep last night. I have really no memory of any of my dreams. And I am just going to pray according to Numbers 30, that be, you as my father and Jesus, you as my bridegroom, will you please behind the veil, go into to the legal courtroom, drag these suckers before the bar <laughs> and, and disavow me of any oath, covenant, contract, or vow that I unwittingly made or was duped into in my sleep. Um, One of the things, if you want to know, how do I know if I made vows or contracts? They're very tricky. If you ever remember any of your dreams, if you're ever in any sort of a ceremony in your dream, if you're at a tea party, if someone wants you to drink something, especially a cup of tea, if they're offering you a wedding cake. Are you saying Alice in Wonderland is about sleep paralysis demons? No. But this is the whole, this is all of fairy lore. This is all of fairy lore. It is. It is fairy lore. If you eat or drink any of their food. Don't eat. Don't it's drink. almost like fairies sure or you, demons. Make sure you don't make covenants with them, yeah. and and the the concept of the veil. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's the same mythology. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a different. Yep. It yeah. It absolutely is. Wizard of Oz. Uh, oh man, I had a, an amazing section of my book. I had to pull out the whole entire Wizard of Oz is an astral, the Emerald City of Oz, like the green. Uh, the poppy seed, you know, uh, the poppy field, it's it's an opioid. She fell asleep. And when she she didn't wake up, she woke up seeing the Emerald City. She woke up in the astral realm. And even Dorothy being the human being, you know, the body. And then what does she have traveling with her to the astral where she's going to get her enlightenment? A companion, uh, right? She's got a lion, a tin man, and a scarecrow. So you've got Dorothy, who's a body. You've got uh, um, the Tin Man, which is the heart. Uh, 
And you have got the scarecrow who wants a brain, a mind. And then you have got the lion who wants the strength, the courage, the soul, the strength. You have got the heart, soul, mind, and strength going into the whole being. What we're supposed to give to Jesus, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Dorothy is going into a field of opioids taking basically under a psychedelic pharmacia spell, she wakes up in the Emerald city with the heart, soul, and mind with her. And then she has a transformational experience by with, you know, at the hands of an occultist and find all of her dreams come true. Right. Wow. I was thinking of Toto as a familiar spirit. That's what I was trying to say earlier. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Do you think back to what you said about it's it's different now than it was even just a generation ago? Is the veil thinning? Uh, definitely. Yeah. Why yeah. is it? Why is it thinning? The, it's kind of like what PJ was saying earlier. It's it it's not. It's thinning because things are speeding up. Yeah. They don't have a thousand years to burn anymore. They're sick and tired of this. They are they are opening up the floodgates, and it, it looks now like they're like this close to getting that new golden age out there on the map. Mm-hmm. And what we don't know is because no one knows the day or the hour, and including them, they capital T, they don't get to choose when this happens. Uh, Jesus chooses when he comes back and when this all culminates. And so they might have all their ducks in a row. They might have the uh, the tech in place. They might have the budget for this and they might make significant amounts of progress. But at the end of the day, all God has to do is drop his hammer and put them all the way back to uh, go back to to go and don't collect your two hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that they're sensing that it's getting closer to the end and they're freaking out because of it and like pushing things forward? Because it felt yeah. like I'm not trying to compare demons to Democrats. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> no, it did. It did feel like um, there was a, a real freak out when the agenda couldn't be pushed forward in the same way for four years. And then there was a definite speeding up of the things that uh, they thought they would get under Hillary Clinton. And in that same way, it feels like I know I'm talking politics now, but I'm saying in the same way, I feel like we're seeing that these things happen with like the World Economic Forum and these other uh, demon controlled entities. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. They know their time is short. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This has been really, really cool. Vicky, we have to have you back sometime. This yes. has been fun. You guys have so many questions in chat. I know Vicky said she's got to go. Uh, eat some dinner and stuff like that. So uh, I won't be able to ask them all, but uh, let people know where they can find you and where they can get your book. We, we put the description or the link for your book in the description too, for people who want to. Yeah, come. absolutely. Well, if anyone in the live chat has got questions, you can contact me on my website, vickyjoyanderson.com. And there's a place there where you can send me an email. I'm happy to answer emails and answer questions and set up phone calls for people who have gone through this and want to chat. So just uh, drop me a line on vickyjoyanderson.com. And you can find me on Instagram. I think that's vickyjoyauthor. And uh, the book is available exclusively on lamarzuli.net. Awesome. Well, thank very you so much, Vicky. This has been very fun. Thank you. I've had a blast. Thanks for having me on. All right, guys. Tomorrow night, we'll be back uh, at a different time. We'll be back at 8.30. 8.30.
Uh, and we're going to be doing an episode with TJ Allard from yes. the Skinwalker Ranch, the executive yes. producer of uh, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. So uh, we don't normally do a stream that time, and it's usually behind the paywall. We're going to do that for everybody tomorrow. So feel free to join us then. Um, thank you again, Vicki. Until next time, we'll see you guys. Have a great one. God bless. God bless.